Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends. Thanks for coming back and joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. We are just honored to have you join us. My name is John Russin. I'm the host. I'm here with my dear friend, Frank Friedman from South Louisiana. Man, I know you're busy, Frank. How are things going? We're doing very well. You know, it's uh, keeping us from idle time. Idle time is trouble, but uh, it is a busy time down here. we got a lot going on in South Louisiana. It is. Well, I'm glad to hear it. It's good to see your face. Friends, if you've just joined us, we're in the middle of a, of a new series that we call The One Another's. It's uh, Frank's and my take on life and the body of Christ. So basically, we're doing our best to describe a perfect world for you. You know, if we all walk perfectly in sync with our Father, how would we treat each other? So basically, we're talking about how God has designed us and equipped us for kingdom living on earth. And today's one another, my friend, is uh, a... <laughs> It's going to be a little challenging for us. It is this one. Stop judging one another. And it comes from Romans 14. And I'm going to read this passage from the Common English Version. You know, I haven't been too familiar with that version of late, but I've been reading it more and I like it. It says this, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, which means you, we've been doing it all along but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. And Frank, if you recall, this follows closely on the heels of our last topic, which was accept one another. And in fact, this one and the next two we'll cover, be patient and be at peace. They're really parts of components, nuts and bolts of acceptance. And they give a real life expression of what acceptance really looks like, doesn't it? Frank. Yeah, John, that's a key word to tie it into acceptance, because if you're judging somebody with a critical bent in it, you're not accepting them. And it was interesting when you read that common English version, you made a statement. You said, stop judging, which means you've been doing it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I would say this because I believe the judging goes back to the fall and the fall, of course, affected all mankind. This is not an epidemic among mankind. It's pandemic. This is something we all struggle with. And again, I think it goes back to the book of Genesis in two ways. One, that every one of us is now got this faulty belief system, this lie that we're fighting against that we shall be as God. And as we know from that passage in Romans 14, the only one qualified to judge is God himself. So as little gods, we're going to judge other people. And then I think the second issue is it ties into the idea of eating from the tree of the law. And since we don't keep the law, we therefore feel inadequate, guilty, ashamed. Whenever you're following the law, 
So what you have to do is have people around you who don't do it as good as you do so you can put them down to feel better about yourself because you know you're never going to walk in perfection. So I think those two issues, the whole world locked under law, the whole world thinking they're God, we've got a pandemic of judging each other. Oh gosh, we certainly do. Listeners, as we begin to jump into this topic, I want to remind us that as we talk about acceptance and talk about not judging, this isn't just a grudging acceptance and a, okay, I won't judge you anymore. You know, kind of like we're, we're negotiating. And if you don't judge me on this, I won't judge you on that. We're trying to reach a compromise. That is not the case at all. It's basically, I accept you, Frank. And because I accept you, I will not judge you. Because judgment has no place in acceptance. Now, as you mentioned, we are, <laughs> we are born judges. We got that from Adam. But boy, it is not something that our father has really even equipped us to do. So when we jump into that judgment seat, we're stepping into a role for which we have absolutely no qualifications whatsoever. We're just numb in the head, and we're trying to judge people, which never works out too well, does it? No, and the idea behind not judging is the issue of love. The whole thrust of acceptance is the basis and power of love, and God alone is love. So if we are functioning separated from him, i.e. an unbeliever, or if as a believer, we're walking after the flesh, uh, still living under the law, then again, we're not going to be separated from God, but we're not going to be being filled with the spirit in such a way that we will be able to love with the love of God. And so the key here is a dynamic, intimate walk with the Holy Spirit filled to the brim with him overflowing with the love of God is the only true safeguard we're going to have against judging. And again, I think the idea behind judging is condemning. And John, I think a very important point maybe we need to verge into, but maybe not right now, I'll leave that up to you, is this idea that even though we don't judge somebody in terms of acceptance, we do love them enough when led by the Spirit to point out issues in their life that they need to hear because if we're not the faithful friend, we'll not deliver the faithful wound of a friend. And I think one of the big misconceptions in Matthew 7, when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. But then he goes on and says, take that log out of your eye, your own eye, so you can see the speck of the other. So he's not really saying don't judge, but judge correctly. Judge, i.e., with total acceptance of the person, and then very lovingly and graciously when you judge their behavior, which we are sometimes called to do. That's right. You know, listen to you talk, my friend. The Spirit brought to mind a circumstance in my own life, and if I can take just a moment and talk about being a third grader, no, I'm sorry, a fourth grader, and playing at the everyday lunch baseball teams behind our elementary school. We played with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So we were the youngest class, and I was about the smallest kid. 
So when we got to choosing sides, guess who was last? Okay, they looked at me and said, pa, this guy's a punk. He can't hit. So I'll take him, but I'll take him grudgingly. Well, one of those times I stood up there, I smacked that ball over the fence, over the wall. And they lifted me up on their shoulders and carried me around the field. And all of a sudden I went from last to close to first. Now, both of those cases were judging. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one really make me feel like dirt. One would make me feel like a prince, but neither one was honest. Mm-hmm. And to get back to your point about being honest and loving and tender, and if I can use this word, redemptive and restorative. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get down to people and we're talking about issues that we see, we need to focus on restoring them, redeeming them, so they can have an accurate view of themselves and walk in truth. And Mm so uh, the next time up, I struck out, I think, six, seven times in a row. So obviously, (laughs) raising on their shoulders didn't give me an accurate view of myself. But Frank, that is so important that when we sit down and we talk to some people, when we discern, maybe that's a better word than judging, we're discerning. We need to be honest, loving, tender, and redemptive. So we mm-hmm. don't wound. Yes, John, you know, interesting as I was listening to you share your story, in one circumstance, rejection, in another circumstance, acceptance, and one was negative judging, one was positive judging, but both of those were based on your performance, Yes, not on who you are. Your point, I think, launches us into the key behind this whole arena of judging. We do not judge people in order or based on our approval of them for our acceptance, because that is the way God judges. We are not judged for our behavior in terms of his acceptance. Our acceptance is established once and for all by receiving the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are now at 10 on a scale of one to 10 in terms of our acceptance with God. But what a lot of new covenant people don't understand is that performance is still very important to God. And so if I act like a three, now I'm still a 10, I'm still accepted, always will be, but God's going to do something about my acting like a three. There may be a little discipline. There may be some conviction. There may be a brother or sister he uses to take that speck out of my eye that I don't see. And this is the part that, again, a lot of Christians don't understand. I remember a situation in my life where I went to someone and I was pointing out an error that I was seeing in their life. And they said, you're judging me. You're judging me. And I said, no, I'm loving you. I said, what I'm saying to you right now has nothing to do with my acceptance of you. I accept you completely, have for a long time, and always will. What I'm not accepting right now is your behavior. And there's a huge difference in those two things. And I think a lot of Christians are confused about this issue of judging. They think it's not something we're ever supposed to do. And Matthew 7 made it very clear. We judge correctly. We don't judge performance for the issue of acceptance. 
but we do judge performance out of love because we care about each other and we don't want each other to stumble into sin or stumble into error. And again, back to where we started this thing, that's from a motive of love. And that's what this is all about. That's right. You know, when you think about the ways that you encounter judging in the body, in the local church, more often than not, we will judge based on our personal standards. So the judgment is to my benefit and your detriment. So the focus is not on their good. The focus is not on what God wants or how he has equipped us to live. The focus is on my standard and how close you come to making up to my level. But what you just described is exactly the opposite. It could be costly to us because if they're acting like a, like a hammerhead, to quote Bill Gillum, you just want to slap them and straighten them out. But love says you can do that, but you need to do it in a restorative, redemptive, loving way, lifting them up first because they're standing with their father is a 10 and you don't want to lead them to believe anything otherwise. But my friend, I am 67 years old. And you want to know how many times I've seen that? I can probably count it on a couple of hands, and I might even have a finger or two left. That's how rare that usually is. Yes, John, and you just made that key statement. Their father accepts them. The passage you quoted when you read out of Romans 14 goes on to say, who are you to judge the servant of another? When we judge each other with a critical spirit and base our acceptance of them on our judgment of them, or even if we accept them, but we judge their behavior harshly and critically, I think that would fall into that category. We're doing that because we're failing to understand that we're dealing with a person who answers not to us, but to God. And I think we need to approach them with that kind of a, an attitude or a mindset that this is God's kid. Oh, yeah, they may be my brother. They may be my sister, but they are God's child. You know, I use that technique in my parenting, John. One of my kids went yell at the other. We had very little sibling hitting. We wouldn't allow that. That, that got stopped quick. But in the early days when one child might hit another, most parents, think about this, would say to them, don't hit your sister or don't talk to your brother like that. I did it differently based on Romans 14. I said, excuse me, that's my son you just hit. Excuse me, that's my daughter you just spoke harshly to. And what I did was get their eyes off of each other and onto me, the heavy. And, you know, it was weird. You could see their little minds going, oh, wow, that's not just my sister. That's my dad's daughter. And boy, if we look at it that way with our brothers and sisters, I think it'll be a great protection for us when we do judge, which we are called to do in the New Testament, not for acceptance, but when we do have to judge behavior, We do it with the right attitude, with the right spirit, and with a motive of love. Can I add one more thought? Sure. I think there are two verses out of Proverbs. He says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the kind of love that when 
as you said, a person's being a knucklehead. We don't run away from them. We stick close to them because we love them. So there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then the other verse is faithful are the wounds of such a friend. They know that we love them. Well, they may not feel it. I remember one time I had to say something to Janet and she says to me, you're attacking me. And I said, no, baby, I'm loving you. And she said, well, it feels like you're attacking me. And I said, well, sweetie, listen, I'm your best friend. If I don't say this to you, who will? And this is something that I want to point out to you. And she said, well, it feels like you're attacking me as well. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, it's very hard sometimes to lovingly judge our brothers and sisters when we're very intimate and close with them. That's right. You know, it's really hard. And, and part of this, Frank, as I listen to your talk and running through, you know, you can tell how old I am. I'm flipping through the mental Rolodex in my mind. <laughs> about uh should i explain uh, <laughs> what that is to our listeners <laughs> flipping through my mental rolodex of uh circumstances that are similar that occurred between my wife terry and me and there's one point that we need to bring up you know when you approach somebody with the attitude of love and restoration and you're not going to judge them you have to be willing to allow their behavior to continue oh, yeah. because when our father wants them to stop, they will stop. Yeah, we can't make and, them stop. Yeah, we can't make them stop. So until uh, he decides to step in and, uh, and hammer away at the aspect of the flesh in their lives that irritates us so much, mm -hmm. uh, all we can do is just accept them and, uh, and trust them with our father, knowing that we could continue to be wounded in some way. Mm. You know, you're sparking some thoughts in my mind. That's John. my job, Friedman, to spark <laughs> <thoughts>. <laughs> Because, um, you know, it's an epidemic that we judge people critically negatively in the world because of being under the law and thinking we're like God. But I think it's also an epidemic that we don't judge them relationally. Yeah, you know, what I'm going after, John, is that, boy, I'll speak about that person to somebody else. John, have you seen that person? There's, you know what I'm saying? And we criticize them to others, but we lack the love to really go to them. You know what I mean? And uh, the reason I say this is because over the 40 years of ministry, a lot of people would come to me and say, you know, that person's got this problem and they'd want me to go deal with it. That's right. And I would say, wait a minute here. You're judging them. You're seeing this in a loving way, but you need to take your love further and go love on them relationally, personally. That's not my job because there's another flip side. And you said a key with about Terry and you've got to let the Holy Spirit ultimately bring about the change we can become so focused on other people that we go around like the holy spirit's appointed prosecutor pointing out everybody's faults and then nobody's ever going to want to be around us i know and that I've, <laughs> and i've got people like that in the body of christ that i've had over the years 
And I don't want to be that person. Don't come to me because you're turning me into the one that everybody's afraid of. I remember I called this one guy once to invite him out to lunch. And I said, hey, this is Pastor Frank. And he's, what did I do? <laughs> that might have been me. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he says, well, if the pastor calls, I must have done something wrong. So this is really, John, a great platform to call the body of Christ to stop being so critically condemning of each other, but also to love each other enough to judge them the correct way, not with a finger pointed in their face, but with their arm around them and to judge them in the correct way by going to them personally and not going to other people and especially the pastor. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so you become a, uh, a holy hit man, if I can coin that term. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't want to play that role. I'm, no, I, sir. I want to spend a few minutes, my friend, going through maybe the poster child parable for judgmental attitudes. Let's go to Luke 19, the parable of the mm. Pharisee and the tax collector. There you go. And I want to just pick this apart a bit. Everyone knows the story, but it begins like this. Jesus told this parable to some, and get this phrase, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Boy, the ESV can really nail some things sometimes. That phrase, that phrase, they are as God and they're under the law and they got to do it better than everybody else. That phrase is a capsule of yeah, what we've been talking about. They really nailed it. But here's the downside. You know, we talked about mm -hmm. stop doing the, uh, the judging, but here's the issue. When you treat others with contempt, you get blinded to the problems that you have yourself. Mm. And so you, you might not be able to hear when the Holy Spirit nudges you that mm. you've got some issues you need to deal with because you're so busy being the, the holy headhunter. Is that the phrase I used? I forget which one. Holy hitman. Hit <laughs> the holy hitman that uh, your judgmental attitude just blinds you to yourself. Mm. And, and then this Holy Spirit has a, a bigger task because instead of just nudging me, Frank, and saying, John, mm. you really shouldn't have done that, he has to give me a, a body slam sometimes mm -hmm. before we'll listen because we're mm. so busy uh, hitting on the others. Mm. You know, as that story is told by Jesus, you know, that, that guy, like you said, he's so blind. He's, he looks at the sinner and he says, oh, thank you that I'm not like that guy. I fast, I tithe, I pray. And, you know, it's amazing. Every one of those begins with I. And when I teach it, I often go, I, 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 you know, he's, he's so self-absorbed. Looking at another person, he doesn't see his pride, his judgmental, critical attitude, his arrogance. And you know, John, God hates all sin. But if the, there is a supreme sin, it would be that issue of pride, yeah. I think. Because pride really is the root of all the other sins because it's, I'm going to do it my way. And, you know, that contrasts so powerfully with what Paul said in the Corinthian letters. Why do you glory because everything you have, you've received. And if you've received, then why do you boast? Everything you have, you've received. So you should be 
humble before God and thankful and in awe of who he is. And then that translates to how you treat other people. Crazy. We're getting on toward the end. We have a little while yet, but I want to go from chatting, my friend, to meddling. Mm -hmm. And I want to take this judgmental conversation we're having into the church. And one of the things I want to focus on is, is a phrase we haven't talked about yet. That is, when we pass judgment on one another, we put a stumbling block or hmm. hindrance in the way of a brother. And I want to take just a moment to take a browsing tour through all the different church practices that are out there. We differ on communion. We differ on baptism. <laughs> we differ on music, on decor, on how we approach missions. We divide on the, on the version of scripture. On, on the roles of women, uh, all these things. And I won't mention any names, but I visited a church last week where in one week, I mean, it was a really great service. In one week, they nailed modern music, worship leaders, anything but a suit and tie, and women teachers all in the same service. Wow. I mean, it was really, it was really a, a, a grand slam for them. Mm. So they got them all. But there are so many different practices, so many different beliefs, that if we went around trying to correct them all and putting ourselves in a right position in our own eyes, we would simply become exhausting. Mm. And so as a pastor who has a, a, a church and you've had certain practices over the years, how do you approach all these issues that mm. seem to be so divisive in the modern church? Well, you know, John, I think they become issues because people have not received the issue. Failing to understand that we have been totally and completely accepted in Christ, which the Bible teaches, 2 Corinthians you know, chapter 5. Failing to understand that we have been delivered from the law and now live by the Spirit I think the Christian community in their insecurity has to add things that they can accomplish so they can feel better about themselves, so they can feel accepted, feel more righteous because they don't know they already are. And then that becomes their measure that they can keep yes. by which they now judge others who don't do as good so they can stand more confident. And again, I'll come back to this. It's interesting, John, isn't it, that the standards in these places are always measurables. I can wear the suit. I can keep women in their place. I can buy the right version of the Bible. I can practice the right baptism. But the thing that's missing the love, that which really is supposed to be immeasurable because God himself loves with infinite love. He wants to love through us with that infinite love to a world that is void of love. And he is so serious about this. He goes so far as to say, the world's going to know your mind by the way you love, not by the baptism, not by the verse of the Bible, not by the suit. We're missing it. Yeah, we surely are. Now, you would have been proud of me, Frank, 
because I sat there through Sunday school and service, and I could have made a checklist and written verses right next to their practice and stood up and made a public display that, Mm -hmm. well, you're wrong and here's why. I could have flaunted my freedom, rubbed it in their face, but you know, I think scripture is really clear (laughs) that, uh, you know, you just don't flaunt your freedom. You're free. But unless the Holy Spirit gets the attention of of those people, they're not going to hear. You know, I I remember, Frank, you and I listened to J. Vernon McGee many, many years ago as we were growing up in the faith. And when he got to that passage, it's about abstaining from meat from idols, things like that. Some do, some don't. And Paul brought up the point of being a stumbling block. And then Jay Murdovagee said this. He told a story about a member of his church who asked whether it's okay for him to go to movies. You remember this. I see your I face see. and you're smiling. You remember the story. And he said, uh, at that time, I didn't understand it. But he said, it's okay for me to go, but not for you. And of course, the guy roughed up his feathers and said, well, why is that? And he said, well, because you had to ask. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to these, these things that are questionable, Uh, It's the role of the Holy Spirit working through conscience, I think, to lead believers step by step in their maturity and in their freedom. We're all in the process. We need to give people room to grow. We don't flaunt our freedom, but we do all things that we can so that by any means we might win some. Yeah, I think it was Augustine who said this. I might be wrong. But he said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, tolerance, but in all things, love. Yeah. Yeah, I think, John, I, I really hate to say this, but I have to. I think the grace community is guilty of this. We tend to judge the church that has not yet understood grace. We call them legalists. We call them religionists. It's fascinating. We're not calling them brothers and sisters who have not yet received revelation. And I really question whether the grace community, when we do things like that, or when we subtly put those more religious Christians down, that we're failing to heed that call from Romans 14. Be careful. You're judging the servant of your father. That's right. You know, and we walk into these situations in pride. We think mm-hmm. we know it all. Mm-hmm. And so we walk up, we hold our knowledge as a standard for how we will view them, how we will treat them, whether we'll accept them, how we even talk to them or think about them in our minds. Well, when that happens, probably the most beneficial thing we can do is to look at our big brother, Jesus, who frankly knew everything. And how did he treat people who were lost and confused, desperate and searching? He knew they didn't understand, but he met them where they were. He just accepted them. He he loved them. He ministered as he could Mm -hmm. and and just touched them and met their deepest need in a Mm -hmm. way that only he could. And most of the time, they might have caught a little bit of a glimpse of the Savior, but they certainly didn't Mm -hmm. know everything he did. And Mm -hmm. He didn't walk around constantly pulling out his hair and complaining about the church. Now, he did sometimes with the religious leaders, 
with religious leaders, but with, with the rank and file everyday folks, he just had compassion with where mm-hmm. they were. And yeah. boy, I wish we had a whole lot more of that. I mean, you and I in our lives and in the body of Christ in general. Yeah, I think that we've misunderstood the term exhortation. I think the way it's been ministered in the body of Christ, it's like a finger in the face. But the Greek word is parakaleo, and it means literally come alongside. So it's an arm around the shoulder rather than a finger pointed at them. And just responding to what you said about Jesus, he dealt with people's behavior, but he did it in such a way that they knew he accepted them even if he rejected the behavior. I'm thinking about that adulterous woman. You remember what he said? Yeah. Who condemns you? Well, then neither do I. But then what did he say? Go, Go and sin no yeah. more. So we, this is a big, important podcast today, John. We don't judge in terms of condemning people. We don't judge for the basis of acceptance, but we do judge behavior. And that's a very important distinction that we need to make. It is. And as we walk through our lives, Frank, we know how the Holy Spirit gets our attention. He comes alongside and just speaks kindly and gently. We recognize his voice, but we know plainly when we have not behaved in a way that's consistent with who we are as God's kids. Mm. And so he, we're all in process, my friend. Mm. We tend to forget where we are in the process and look with disdain on those who are not as far as long but my friend we are all in the process and we all just simply need to give each other some room to grow Hmm. and with that any last thoughts before we wrap up this episode i was hoping you'd ask that (laughs) as i was listening to you i had a memory from a book i read Uh, It was way back in the 80s. I think it was Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. I remember that one. Yeah, Rebecca Pippert, I think. She shared the story, of course, you and I grew up in these days, that a hippie one day walked into a local church. You can imagine back in the late 70s, early 80s, the three-piece suit, the three hymns, you know, the quiet church. And this old hippie, she said he walked right down the center aisle, didn't sit in the back, got up to about the third or fourth pew, of course, pews, uh, and then sat down cross-legged right in the middle of the aisle. And she said, as a girl there in attendance, you could feel the tension. What were people going to do? And one of the elders of the church got up walked over to him and they said, "Uh oh, here it comes. And he sat down on the floor cross-legged next to the guy. I think that's a pretty good illustration of what we were talking about today. There was a young man who didn't fit the culture of the time, was rebelling against the culture of the time, was very different from the culture at the time. And that man met him where he was, probably didn't agree with him and a lot of his belief systems, but communicated, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, Maybe they had a discussion afterwards. I'm sure they did, but they (laughs) never would have had had a chance to have that discussion had he not stepped up and sat down and said, let me me join you. 
Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let me join you on your journey. Oh, that's a good word. You know, criticism, judging never builds a bridge. That's right. Certainly doesn't. Well, friends, it's been fun chatting about all this today with Pastor Frank. Thanks for the honor of joining us on our podcast today, the Our Resolute Hope podcast. We've been talking about the one another's. And today's topic has been just stop judging one another. Pretty simple to talk about, but boy, it's got some difficulty to it. Please go to our website, OurResoluteHope.com. We've got a bunch of new stuff there. And I will call your attention to our members portal. Just a few days ago, at the time of this recording, uh, we posted a three-sermon series, video sermons, on forgiveness. And I will tell you that this sermon series on forgiveness, when we first gave it, 30 years ago, really was one of the the launching boards for taking the church that we were working in and uh, ministering in and bringing it around to the point of beginning to understand Christ's life. So forgiveness is such an important thing. Give those a lesson. Thanks again for checking out Frank's books on Amazon. The most recent one is Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. And of course, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music all carry uh, our social media feeds. And as always, we close with this reminder. I'll never get tired of saying it because I never get tired of hearing it. Reminder from (laughs) Hebrews 6 that we have a hope that's an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope, but we call it a resolute hope. A steadfast, immovable, always going to be there kind of hope. And this hope is a person. Jesus Christ. So today and always choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today and you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to our Resolute Hope podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.